Andrew Dice Clay, he was absolutely awesome. He let uh, me and Anthony go on stage at the at the garden. We were doing the lesbian couch back then. I'm like, let's let's. I'm like, let's bring the couch on stage. And then I'm like, can we get you guys together? And they're like, Boop! all of a sudden, one girl walks out with a Yankees jersey on, and another girl walks out with a Mets jersey on. They just literally went at it in front of everybody at Madison Square Garden. Me and Anthony did our gig in Philly. It was a sold out crowd. Everyone was loving us. We were new to the Philly market and they couldn't get enough of everything we did on that stage. I think we paved the way for the new generation of uh, broadcasters, that's for sure. Howard paved the way. We took what he did. We took it to the next level. When you lose the big seat, you, you find out who your real friends are. I will not be getting back together with Anthony. First of all, the Obi Anthony show near the end was on its last leg. It really was. I laid out the whole roll and bathroom bullshit, but that doesn't matter to people. When Anthony tries to say that I could have saved him and stuff, he knows I'm not a dumb person. You know, I didn't like the guy, but the brand itself was worth billions and millions of dollars. By the end of the O&A run, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, racial humor anymore. It was, it was just real. It seems to be that it is very, very prominent in the black community to um, perpetrate unbelievable acts of of random violence you don't even know slavery so shut up your father didn't know slavery your grandfather didn't know slavery his father didn't know slavery so shut the fuck up with slavery god damn enough with that fucking excuse you know the restraint i'm having not blurting that word out that you are that word you are shut up how do i reflect on my 9-11 broadcast um that was a turning point for the world and for our radio show now it's all about revenge right whose ass do we kick right and then uh, unfortunately after that day you couldn't avoid politics with a radio show how do i reflect on my 9-11 broadcast um that was a turning point for the world and for our radio show good and bad i think um I think we did an amazing job. I, I, I remember realizing that day I didn't know about international politics. I didn't know crap. We made it up as we went along. Okay, I think we got it figured out finally. Yeah, it's Opie and Anthony. Hey. And uh, I guess we don't have to tell anyone, but we might as well, that uh, this is going to be a very different show today. Yeah. First of all, Anthony and I are not even in um, New York City. We're on the outskirts of New York City. We're out on uh, Long Island. We're out on Long Island. How did you um, uh, hear about it? I mean, what were you doing? Uh, me, I'm sleeping. What else oh, do I sleeping, do at so that hour? I, w I was up. Uh, I was um, having breakfast with my girlfriend in, in Northport, and I was listening to uh, the morning show in New York mm -hmm. on WNEW, the sports guys. And they're like, uh, you're the guy that listens to uh, that <laughs> program. Uh, all, all. Th so they're on the air going all morning. We're talking nothing but Giants football. Oh. And then I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll check them out for a little while. And then I go in and have my little uh, breakfast, and I come out, and all of a sudden they're talking about a plane uh, hitting uh, the Twin Towers. You and I have talked about this on our, our radio show. We said on uh, numerous occasions we're surprised that someone hasn't done it. Yeah, that no one has ever done that before. Just, a, just an, I'm not even talking about, about a terrorist attack, just a nutcase in the area that wants to just, you know, yeah. end his life mm -hmm. and uh, do it, uh, you know, in style by crashing into one of these buildings. We talked about that recently on our show. Everyone knows what happened. I don't even know that we got to run through it eight billion times again. 
Now it's all about revenge. Right. Whose ass do we kick? Right. About this because uh, I, I can't just sit by and, and, and think of all the other times that things have happened and the president has the rah-rah speech and before you know it, weeks turn into months and you realize nothing happens and any general pissed off attitude you have just goes away. And then uh, unfortunately after that day, you couldn't avoid politics with a radio show. And then I guess we got deeper and deeper as the years went on. So, Best comedy show I've ever been to was during the Yankee Mets Subway Series. And you said I could bring this crowd together. Then you guys uh, brought the two chicks on stage wearing both teams' uh, jerseys. Oh, you remember that? So, oh, my God. I haven't talked about this one in a while. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay, huge, uh, you know, he was on our uh, our show a lot. He was selling – this Andrew Dice Clay was crazy, and I'll tell you why. He had sold out the Beacon Theater two or three shows, and he said, that's not good enough. I also want to sell out the 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 garden. And we're like, but all the people going to the Beacon shows, I don't know if they're going to buy tickets. It's like, screw it. So it was crazy. So he was coming in a lot. We were selling a lot of tickets for him. And then uh, he was absolutely awesome. He let uh, me and Anthony go on stage at the at the garden, Madison Square Garden, uh, being brought up on Long Island and living in New York. I'm like, this is this is crazy. So the Mets and the Yankees were playing. Um, I think they were playing in the World Series, right? Wasn't that the World Series? No, it was the Subway Series. I don't know. I feel like it was the – I don't I, think they've ever – have the Mets been to the World Series since oh, 1986? Wait, wait. wait, I'm trying to remember. The One of the teams was definitely in the World Series. Well, it would have been the Yankees because I don't think the Mets have been to the World Series since they beat the Red Sox, right? I could be wrong. It's early. My brain isn't totally All right. firing. Anyway, one of them was, it was, a, it was a, they do the Subway Series. Yeah. No, no, no. But the, one of them was definitely in the World Series because uh, not only was Andrew Dice Clay competing with himself selling out some shows at the Beacon Theater, he was also competing with Either I think the Yankees, I guess the Yankees in the World Series, and I think it was like Game Five or something. Like this is this is gonna be a tough sell, uh, Dice. Well, he ended up uh, he ended up selling pretty well, and he uh, he goes, "You guys got to come on stage and do a little something." I'm like, "Oh man!" And we're like, "What? We got to do something that's badass, you know, in front of the, our hometown crowd." So uh, I, we were doing the lesbian couch back then. I'm like, "Let's let's." I'm like, "Let's bring the couch on stage." So we we made. Madison Square Garden, find us a couch. We put it on stage. The place is going nuts. Me and Anthony are uh, talking to the crowd. We're like, how many Yankees fans? And half the crowd is going crazy. How many Mets fans? Half the crowd is going crazy. And then I'm like, can we get you guys together? And they're like, boo! F the Yankees, F the Mets, no, boo! And I'm like, are you sure? Boo! The boos are getting louder. Are you sure we can't come together, right? And then just perfect on cue. When we got the crowd riled up, they're booing each other. All of a sudden, one girl walks out with a Yankees jersey on, and another girl walks out with a Mets jersey on. The place goes crazy. And then the rest is history. They just literally went at it in front of everybody at Madison Square Garden. But you just brought up a great memory that I haven't talked about in a very long time. Thank you very much. Give me $100 for that. All right, let's uh, <laughs> move on. <laughs> um and Dice, I'll never forget it. Dice was so happy and appreciative of what we did um, that after the show, and I want this picture so bad. Do, do, do you notice, like, when you walk through my house, there's n there's no idea that I work in radio? No. You're very <laughs> humble. 
There's nothing on the wall. There's no gold records. There's no pictures and, of you and all the famous people. I got and I got all that stuff, but I just uh, we just don't. Well, we're waiting for to open up your your presidential library, your museum. I'm waiting for E-Rock to, to, you know, give me more of my stuff back. Does he still have it all? He's got a lot of my stuff. Wow, there's a name I haven't heard of in years. So anyway, um, Dice was so appreciative and so proud and so happy. Uh, and we worked hard to sell him tickets. And, you know, he's talented enough that he didn't need us that badly. But we were the big show, so it just worked together. And then after, I'll never forget, like, you know, everyone went home. We were hanging out, celebrating backstage. And then all of a sudden, he goes to me, come on, follow me. And I'm like, what, man? And also, we walked back out into the garden as everyone, you know, the, the, everybody was cleaning up the mess that we left behind. And it was an empty mess in Square Garden. And we're on the floor, pretty much uh, like at half court. And he goes, I want a picture of this. And he took a picture of me and him in an empty mess in Square Garden after we helped him sell a lot of tickets. It wasn't officially a sellout. And to this day, I want that picture. I don't have that picture either. So me and Anthony were um, we were syndicated, and we uh, we had a massive audience down in Philly, and we put together a live show. And Travis Meeks and Days of the New, we booked them to uh, I believe perform after we did our our crap on stage. I believe. And I love Days of the New, man. That's a band that should have been way bigger than they, than they were. And I think it's because Travis Meeks had some issues. I don't, I don't know exactly all his issues, so I don't want to say it. But he had some issues that really uh, held the band back. They were supposed to perform after me and Anthony did our gig in Philly. It was a sold-out crowd. Everyone was loving us. We were new to the Philly market, and they couldn't get enough of everything we did on that stage. And then we introduced Days of the New, and they were supposed to just, uh, you know, just start jamming to finish off the night perfectly. And Travis Meeks walks out of stage. <laughs> Jesus. Way to not read the room. I mean, you had everyone just fired up from all this sh the shenanigans we did on stage. Travis Meeks walks out. His band is with him. And then he proceeds to take about 15 to 20 minutes setting up to perform if, if my mind serves me correctly, I believe he started like lighting candles slowly and all this. And and people at first were like, all right, you know, I, we can handle this. But it went on for so long as he was setting up before they even played their first song that people just start filing out of the venue. They basically said, F this. I never forgot that. And I'm like, Travis, what are you doing? We gave you this amazing crowd. I forgot where we uh, played the electric factory. Maybe I don't. I don't remember how many people it held, but there was. Uh, we absolutely, uh, you know, filled that to capacity and then some. And everyone was fired up, and Travis Meeks just let everyone down. Jesus. And we went way back to the days of uh, WAF, the only station that really rocks with Days of the New and Travis Meeks. They would come in a bunch. Oh, it was priceless, though, man. I'm like he's just he's just feeling it. I think he was trying to like uh, summon like a like a Jim Morris, uh, Jim Morrison's spirit. He had that vibe about him. But I'm like, dude, man, they they want songs now. When you lose the big seat, you you find out who your real friends are. There's a lot of people that will suck up to you because 
you could do a lot for them when you uh, run a big radio show. You could sell them a lot of fucking tickets. You could promote their movies and TV shows. And, and a lot of these people, they will act like uh, there's, there's a friendship there. And then um, you lose the big seat and you realize, oh, they were kissing my ass because I sat in the big seat. Now I get it. I hear something on the radio every day that came from the Opie and Anthony show at one time or another. There is a bunch of ripoff DJs out there stealing y'all stuff. Yeah, I think we paved the way for the new generation of uh, broadcasters. That's for sure. I mean, I think Howard paved the way. I... I would like to think he didn't pave the way officially for me and Anthony, but he absolutely paved the way in radio in general. And then I guess we took what he did and took, I think we took it to the next level. I really do. Unfortunately, we couldn't get along and, uh, you know, see it to the end, but what are you going to do? Keep in mind that the worst generation of today is the reason that ONA got canceled. It's very unfortunate, and I miss when people viewed racial humor as comedy and not as racism. You're going to get me going, though, Dallas. By the end of the O&A run, it wasn't, it wasn't uh, racial humor anymore. It was, it was just real. If a, a criminal is breaking into your house in a home invasion, statistically, it's probably going to be a, a young black male. You don't even know slavery, so shut up. Your father didn't know slavery. Your grandfather didn't know slavery. His father didn't know slavery. So shut the fuck up with slavery. God damn, enough with that fucking excuse. They were playing the knockout game. Oh, sounds like fun. Where the object is to walk up to somebody and with one punch knock them yeah. out. Blindside them. It seems to be that it is very, very prominent in the black community to um, perpetrate unbelievable acts of, of random violence. If you talk to people, our whole judicial system so racist that it just throws black people in prison willy-nilly. But this guy, apparently, a murderer, kills a cop. This is the world we live in. Go ahead, Sam. Yeah. I mean, just look. I mean, who says that the cop didn't do anything to deserve this? Shut up, you fucking treated. animal. You know what I'm... You know the restraint I'm having not blurting that word out that you are? That word you are! Shut up! Yes, hi, guys. I'm a long-time friend of the show. I'm a black person. And Anthony, I think I've argued with you a couple of years ago. You know, I used to get angry with some of the things that you spew out. Sure. Without really I don't say I spew, it. and I don't I mean, think you, about you, it. You do. You, you do. You really, you really don't. Yeah. But right now, I, I feel sorry for you. And because you don't agree with what I'm saying doesn't mean I'm spewing when I'm talking. I feel that uh, people like Reverend Al spew. And uh, uh, I feel a lot of black leadership is spewing. I feel that people that use the race card uh, uh, are spewing. What's the matter? You can't get a hundred. You can't get one hundred percent of the white people to count out of you. There's still a few of us left. There's still a few of us left. There's still a few of us left. It was just real racism that I didn't want to be part of. I didn't sign up for that crap. When the ONA uh, show started, we we didn't we weren't going down that road like that. By the end, by the end, the show was unrecognizable, unrecognizable with all the racist crap and the gun talk. It's not what I signed up for all those years ago. When I found a very talented, 
uh, green, funny guy, and we put together an amazing radio show. I didn't sign up for the last bunch of years of that garbage. All right, John. Josh, are we almost done with your horse crap? I told the truth about that whole damn thing. Like, like I've said in the past, I, you can only throw the truth out there. And then, look, if, if people are going to ignore the facts and try to beat you up for something that literally did not happen for the next 10 years, then so be it. But I know damn well uh, I told the truth about that whole that whole thing. It was a radio prank. No, what? No, it wasn't. It wasn't even a radio. Oh, forget it, dudes. For real. I've told the whole story. I, I laid out the whole rolling bathroom bullshit thing on my my very successful podcast, Opie Radio. Go go check it out. And I believe I got a YouTube video on it. And I just flat out go through the whole thing. I explained what happened. Took some responsibility. But that doesn't matter to people. This is the stupid world we live in, and it's really, really frustrating. You, you know, you're brave enough to to speak openly and honest, honestly about something, and then people just ignore it. They're like, "Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't fit into the narrative that I want to push forward about you." What's up, Bob? This is Lady Di's son. Do you have any good Di and Marion story? I mean, a million. I mean, a million. Is it really you, Peter? A million. Uh, I mean, the greatest the greatest thing your mom ever did with Marion was uh, replace me and Anthony at the uh, the MTV. I think it was Music Awards. We were a big fucking deal, and CBS really wanted to take care of us, so they put us they put us in the best spot on the red carpet for the MTV uh, Music Awards, and then we were going to interview all these top A list celebrities. <laughs> And we're like, who cares? Because I've seen a lot of those red carpet shows and the celebrities give absolutely nothing. They give you nothing. So we're like, you know, this is how we're going to make it entertaining. We gave Lady Di and Marion the mics. And the executives from um, CBS Radio that day that were with us, they were so mad at us. How could you do this? This is your spot to interview these people. And we're like, who cares? This is way more entertaining. And Lady Di and Marion, they got their hair did and they got in their best clothes. And next thing you know, they went from just being two people that did our show from time to time to interviewing the likes of, uh, well, I don't know if Mick Jagger made it, right? I think Mick Jagger figured out what was going on. I got to remember all the details, but they interviewed all the celebrities that marched on through. And to this day, it's one of my favorite pieces of audio that we ever did on the Opie and Anthony show. Um it was absolutely classic. And I'm sure it's online somewhere if you've never heard it. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And we got in trouble for that too. How dare you? Blah, blah, blah. Because they wanted us to just, they just wanted us to follow a, a, a pattern that everyone else did in radio before us. And we were like, nah, man, we're going to spin this shit on its, on its head. Because in the end, if it's Opie and Anthony uh, just asking basic who gives a crap questions to A-listers, but then you got Marion and Lady Di making celebrities very uncomfortable, <clears throat> excuse me, and some of them laughing their asses off because they got it. They're like, oh, my God, this is hilarious. But uh, that's one that's absolutely my um, – I think that's my top memory as far as your – if it is you – 
of your mom, uh, Lady Di. By the way, my dad did jump in front of a train. He and Di had me without being married. They never were married. Oh, God, the train thing. Jesus, Peter. Oh, sorry. We, uh, we did a lot of material on that. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you, brother man. Oh, God. What do I, what do I say to that? I guess I could say sorry. All the comedians I listen to on the reg will reminisce fondly of the days of ONA. You guys set the path for all of the podcasters now, 100%. We brought a style to radio that no one was doing. And basically that was get some, get some people you like hanging out with, get some funny people, and whatever prep you got, throw it away and just talk. But the beauty of the prep was if we were just dying – in those seats, we had plenty of stuff to go to, and we certainly, certainly needed our staff. So I'm not, uh, that's not, uh, you know, a knock on those guys. But the best radio show was always, we got a ton of material for you, and we just throw it away. The, the material is almost like a safety net that allows you to just go and just have fun. And that's now what podcasters do. They, they have no structure. They just uh, turn on mics and go. And that might sound like very normal to you, and that's, that's okay, but I've lived long enough where if you had a mic in front of you, you better be prepared. You better be structured. You better talk about the, the, the weather here, the traffic here, the sports here, the silly story here, maybe some hard, hard news here. And they literally had a clock. And if you didn't follow the clock in, in the, the uh, earlier days of radio or, or my time in radio, they would, they would fire you. They needed you to follow, follow a clock. And it was set in the studio. It would say sports here, local news here, little traffic here, uh, weather. And then they would give you like this much time on the clock to just be you. And what me and Anthony did was just, we just said, F that, threw the clock in the garbage, and just started talking. We had the balls to do that. And then all the shows would be so jealous of us because we had incredible success. And like, why are these guys so successful? It was because we had the balls to say no to everybody and just believe in what we were doing. I've heard of ONA. I listened to the archived shows in chronological order on my way to work every day. Currently, you're currently in 2008. <laughs> 2008. I think 2008 was still good, right, guys? 2008. Are you noticing? Um, oh, no, 2008 was a bad year because <clears throat> that's when Anthony got obsessed with Obama. And I, I personally think that's when the show got way too political for my taste. Am I starting to tap out yet, Spy Man? You're going to come to a point where you're like, wait, is Opie still on this show? <laughs> Why is he playing Candy Crush? <laughs> Are you up to the Candy Crush stage? People make fun of me for the Candy Crush thing. But the fact is, look, I can say this. I played Candy Crush because I, was, I, I wasn't I was into the pedo humor and I wasn't into the race uh, slash gun talk every day. So that was my way of tapping out and just playing Candy Crush. That's why it did that. I had no desire to be part of the, that nonsense. You could have saved the show, you dope. Oh, is that why you bothered, you're bothered by that? Uh, but that's not true, Victor. 
Victor, that's not true. I mean, look, a lot of people bombed Opie when Anthony went away, but I, that's not true. The show was the show was on its last leg when Anthony went on on that races rant. And then to be fair, like I knew that uh, I'll I'll talk to you, Victor. If you want to be a, a dick, that's one thing, but I'll talk to you about it. Um, first of all, the Opie Anthony show near the end was on its last leg. It really was. We were way past our prime. Anthony was obsessing about race and guns and all that. And if it works for him, whatever. I'm not even trying to take shots at Anthony. But it was something I didn't want to be involved with. It, most of the staff didn't want to be involved with it. Um, and he blew himself up with a huge racist rant. At the time, this is why I get frustrated, Victor, by the way. And, and if you want to go and hate me after this, it's fine. But at least I could try to give you my, my perspective on it. People that say I could have saved Anthony or saved the show, like, and that... Like the Opie and Anthony brand was worth millions of dollars, millions. So when Anthony tries to say that I could have saved him and stuff, he knows I'm not a dumb person. You know, I didn't like the guy, but the brand itself was worth millions and millions of dollars. And that's why two years later, after he got fired, I started taking phone calls from the guy because I'm like, the, the brand, we got to somehow try to keep the brand going. And then my thought was that, okay, you know, maybe we could do some phone calls and do a little something, something on each other's shows to keep the brand going. But obviously doing the show on a regular basis passed both of us by. So I love the people like Victor and no offense, Victor, because I, I get it. Like people are really bummed that the show ended. They wanted it to, to last forever. But man, 20 years is not a bad run. Um, And, uh, you know, the brand was worth millions of dollars, millions, and and I absolutely tried that two years after the fact, and then uh, unfortunately it didn't work out. Uh, throwing hate is different than hating someone. All right, fair enough, Victor. Fair enough. Just telling you my you know my uh, perspective on this. So like to think that I would just completely blow off the Opie and Anthony brand back in the day. Now I think the ship is completely sailed. I don't even really think there's much money in it. Maybe there would be money quickly for a very short period of time, but not nothing as far as longevity goes at this point. Um, I would be the stupidest man in the world for not trying to figure out how to at least keep the brand going, knowing that me and him don't like each other at all. And he's already doing his own thing and he's doing a very different show that he really wants to do. And I was trying to do a, a, a show that was very different than Opie and Anthony as well. <clears throat> so... There you go. And if you want to continue hating, that's that's your prerogative, Victor. But Anthony was completely out of control the last few years of the Opie and Anthony show, completely. And unfortunately, not many people that were around the the, the radio show were brave enough to actually, uh, you know, confront him or talk about it. Sirius XM was done with that kind of show. Jim and Sam is a neutered version as well as Howard. Well, there you go. There you go. So... Hope that answer your question, Victor. If, it, if, whatever. All I could do is throw out my crap like anybody else. That's all I could do. Hope was listening to ONA episode from 1995. You were, you guys, excuse me. Uh, you guys were live from the Peter Pan bus terminal in downtown Boston. I remember doing that like it was yesterday, like it was yesterday. I don't even, rem I, but I don't remember why we were there. Peter Pan probably was a giant advertiser or something, so they forced us to hang out at the uh, Peter Pan bus terminal in downtown. And you're listening to this.
<clears throat> Man, there's not a lot of um well, wait, how are you listening to this, Daniel? Are you you might be close to you know the ONA show because I'll tell you why. A lot of uh a lot of the Boston stuff is non-existent because we weren't well, we were well, I was gonna say we weren't huge, but that's simply not true. We were massively huge in Boston. It was crazy how big we were in Boston. But it was harder to tape radio shows and stuff back then. Nowadays, it's 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 so easy. There's multiple. No, there's probably hundreds of people out there that have every copy of uh, our Sirius XM run. But back in '95, man, it was really hard to like record radio shows. I mean, you could do it, but there was a lot of steps involved. So, I want to know where you're listening to an episode from 1995 because I don't even have full shows from my Boston days. I got a lot of like bits and best of shit um which i should just start rolling out and putting on the internet but it's in storage right now yeah maybe i'll start doing that in the fall daniel thanks for the five though and thanks for the memory peter pan bus terminal i remember having to do that i remember if the show was good although back then they were forcing us to play stupid music i'm like just let us talk oh my god and we did by the end of our run in uh, Boston. We absolutely talked way more than uh, than uh, the the rest of the staff, and and played way less music. So, uh, hey, Greg, it's over, man. Howard is on his way out. You and Ant get back together and take over. Okay, thank you, Rob. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Uh, I will not be getting back together with Anthony. Uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but Anthony's very, very obsessed with uh, talking about race. Very, very obsessed with that. So that makes it very hard to get Opie and Anthony back together because I have no desire to do that. I have no desire to spend hours a day talking about politics and all these uh, these uh, politicians and the race issues in America and the guns in America. I have no desire to do any of that. If he could somehow figure out how to get rid of all that garbage and go back to being hilarious and one of the funniest guys out there, then still I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> I tricked you, didn't I? <laughs>